with Bob and Bax. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Movie Blast with Bob and Bax. I'm Bob. And I'm Bax. And welcome back to another week of the Spooktacular. We're keeping it spooky for the month of October. Absolutely. So, this episode, we actually watched Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. It's a Halloween treat. Man, Bob, why did we watch this? Um, so I, I knew that James Gunn wrote it and I told myself if James Gunn wrote it, it has to be good. It was interesting. It wasn't what I expected. I expected monsters to be unleashed as like the first thing. (laughs) Right. Didn't really get that. But, uh, what are some facts about the movie backs? So let me hit you with some facts. This film was released on March 26th, 2004. It was shot on a budget of $80 million. How much did this make? I should have looked that up. I'm slacking on my notes game. Ah, I got you. Man, maybe you can dig that up while I'm going through some of this other stuff. It got $181 million. Okay. Like, how's that? Like, 80 versus that? Like, how'd they do? I I think they did fine. I'm surprised. I'm, I'm wondering why there isn't a third one of these. Okay. Uh, I Like, our IMDb summary is that the Mystery Ink Gang must save Coolsville. I didn't know that Scooby-Doo stuff took place in Coolsville. Neither did I, and I didn't really like it. (laughs) From an attack on past unmasked monsters brought to life by an evil masked figure trying to unmask the gang. Um, Your main cast, I think most people probably know, Freddie Prince Jr., Sarah Michelle Gellar, Matthew Lillard. How in was young Bob with Matthew Lillard? Matthew Lillard and I started our bromance with the movie Scream. Mm. And I, I saw him and I was like, that's the dude. That's the dude to emulate in high school. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just being weird and lanky. And then me being like tall and fat, just like yeah. didn't play well. Um, <laughs> um, Linda Cardellini. How in was young backs with Linda Cardellini? Super in. Shout out Freaks and Geeks. Really good show. Oh, for sure. Um, if we're digging deeper into the cast, Peter Boyle, how'd he feel about his, his role? How'd he feel about this project? I think he just was there for a paycheck. <laughs> okay. Good for you, Peter. Seth Green. Seth Green, I, I like you a lot. I've liked like Robot Chicken and stuff. Seth Green, I respect you, man. Um, Alicia Silverstone. Um, Ruben Stuttered. Shout out Ruben Stuttered. And this was in 2004, so we know like that was his peak. That was peak Ruben. Yeah. <laughs> Dude was named after a sandwich. <laughs> And uh, it was directed by, I hope I don't butcher this name, I'm going to think it's Raja Gosnell. And he also directed Big Mama's House and the Scooby-Doo that came before this. He directed that one too. And this movie, like, I've heard a lot about it. I've never seen it. Never Been Kissed. Oh, Never Been Kissed was good. Okay. So so this guy directed Never Been Kissed. Was that Maybe that's like the highlight of his career. I would say so. This wasn't it. Okay, okay. So those are some facts for us. So, Bax, if you had to pick anything that happens in this movie, what is your favorite moment? My favorite moment, it definitely the monsters that we did get, um, the creatures that we did get. Granted, like, was that some CGI? Was that some kind of rough CGI? For sure. But, like, I got some monsters, and they were being goofy and zany. So I was into it, especially, like, the guy with the hunchback and, like, the super wild eyeball game who ends up getting pantsed at some point. Like, yeah, they, like the tar monster, who's really just a blob, who also has a wild eyeball game. So, uh, yeah, I'll say the monsters were like the highlight for me 
Yeah, I would say the monsters were also my favorite part. I really enjoyed when Seth Green like saves Daphne. Yeah. No, Velma. Yeah. There we go. My chick. Yeah. Um, so saves her and immediately I was like, he's going to push her down that hole. And, but then he does push her, but then he gets picked up by a pterodactyl. <laughs> yeah. A pterodactyl is in this movie. This is how weird this is. Then the pterodactyl is one of the highlights of the movie at that. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Basically the whole film revolves around the idea of the Scooby-Doo gang after the peak of their first movie have <laughs> just went ahead and become heroes. They're celebrities. They're They're loaded. They're rich. And so the storyline of this one is the fall from grace and then redemption. So that Mm. is the themes of this film. And so we have moments where the characters are basically destroyed in the, in the media, which happens to celebrities. hundred percent. And then they basically continue to fight these monsters and investigate these crimes and stuff like that. And then they redeem themselves at the end by, by going. And then they, they end up taking a trip to their like old hut where they used to solve crimes out of mind. I always thought that they just did everything in the van. Yeah. They were just like transient, like (laughs) problem solvers and crime, crime busters. I like the word transient. Yeah, me too. So that's what I, I didn't know they had a home base and maybe it's because I haven't seen the first one since 2003 or like that time period. But I just was like, okay, they're going to go to this like hut and this is their returning to their roots. So after that, they go ahead, they unmask the villain, all that kind of stuff. We find out that the villain is actually, Alicia Silverstone's character who was destroying them in the media. Right. The reporter girl. Actually, my favorite moment was when they take off Alicia Silverstone's face and it's a guy underneath. And the guy who is her accomplice was like, but, but we cuddled. Yeah. And I'm like, it was just a mask. The guy (laughs) would have had just a normal man's body. (laughs) And like, the parts that go along with being a guy. Yeah. How did the he com- not notice? Accomplice wasn't picking up on that. No. Or like even like hair that would be like on the neck and stuff. Yeah. I feel like there were things that that's a plot hole that we see Alicia Silverstone's chest. <laughs> it would have had to have been a whole body suit and they would have had to zipper the back to be able to be like, and now old man withers you know what i mean like (laughs) and i forget the i forget the guy's name jacova his name was jacova yeah so other thing that i noticed in the beginning of the movie was paid for by kfc there's a kfc drink there's a shout out verbally to kfc it's in the dialogue yeah oh yeah like it's just crazy it's like they pull up on like a haunted mansion too and shaggy's like why couldn't we have went to a kfc exactly that was it that was it. Yeah. Like, Shaggy, like, you're kind of on the job right now. Like, I feel like Haunted Mansion should kind of be in the wheelhouse. And there's, like, a separation of the group. Like, Shaggy and Scooby feel like they're idiots because they, like, overhear these other guys talking about how it was their fault for destroying the museum exhibit that had all the bad guys in it. So that was the beginning of the film. Yeah. Like, they, Shaggy and Scooby screw everything up. That's what causes the news reporter to report this. And then, basically, them trying to figure out 
how did these monsters come to life? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's basically what the movie's about. I'd say that's a good, I think that's a good plot summary. I think you hit all the points. The, uh, the thing that I didn't like, like was like every scene had a ridiculous bit in it. Like the bushes walking <laughs> towards the guy. Yeah. And then he like looks around and doesn't he like reference like the bushes are talking uh, a thousand percent. And that's Peter Boyle. Peter I knew that was Peter Boyle's character. And he like these damn bushes trying to holler at me again. It's like, Peter, like, is this like a thing for you? Like the bushes, the bushes always there. Yeah. There is a dance sequence, like a 1970s style dance sequence. A little bit racist. Uh, a little bit. Like they, they put Scooby-Doo in an Afro and then they have him dance and stuff like that. And I'm like, this this seems so weird. Yeah. And it was like, like funk stuff. Like I like, it probably wasn't like white cherry who did like play that funky music, white boy, but like, it felt like that. Like that's the kind of tunes that they were dropping. Remember when the, when they bump into like the, like old record player and then it starts playing, uh, like the, my baby got back. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe got that by Sir Mix-a-Lot. Peter Boyle in your haunted mansion. Is that what you're banging? Like, I guess dude, I don't reach. And so every little thing was like a bit like it would have been almost funnier if they would have played into that moment and had it been like spooky sounds. Like, like if it was just an album of like, like spooky music, like, like if that's the thing that dude wants to listen to. Yeah. That's what I listen to on Pandora, like all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I just made the Halloween playlist, and I haven't given up on it yet. So then, like, the trash can surfing, like, where they <laughs> take trash cans and then, like, go down, like, a super-duper long mountain. Yeah. Where they get into a fight with two Cyclops skeletons. Who were super cute and look super fun. These, This is true. But, I mean, like, if you're, you're, like, if you look down and you're like, yep, this is, I would definitely fall to my death if I went here. You just fight the skeleton. Also, like you have these trash can lids, which could maybe be used as like shields or some kind of weapons. Maybe they do better with as that than they would as like sleds. I don't know. I would, I would have rather seen like a, a like a fight where it's just like, and then you just have a whatever random object that's in there. Yeah, like a baguette. It could have been like a piece of bread that they were fighting these things with. You don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's like the candy cane monster, the the cotton candy monster mm. that shows up, and literally it's like I'm the monster of candy cane or cotton candy. Candy canes are not the same as cotton candy. No, no, I've and never had cotton candy once in my life. What? I've never had cotton candy once in my life. Am I missing out? I think you are. Okay. One day you should have it. Okay. So you didn't understand that big pink creature was cotton candy. <laughs> I think I was able to pick up on that. I just, I just remember that guy that goes to the carnival and I'm like, I'm trying to go to the, see the cotton candy carnies. I think they sell cotton candy at grocery stores now too. Okay. When you come visit, we'll go get some. This works. Yeah. We digress though. There was a cotton candy monster, Scooby and Shaggy. They're not scared of it because it's cotton candy and they just eat it. And that was the ridiculous bit. How did you feel about the pirate that breathes fire? <laughs> Like, I'm laughing about it now. I laughed when I was watching it. I, I really liked it, 
but it's just because I like creatures. Like I like stupid stuff like that. And it really fit for like where I was at with the weekend, you know, like in that moment in my life, I was really enjoying seeing a pirate breathe fire. But <laughs> how did you feel about how Scooby-Doo and the gang decide to like fight the fire? Man, <laughs> I think I'm going to let you take that one because so, I'm not going to be able to do that justice. So Scooby, oh, actually Shaggy aims Scooby's butt. <laughs> at the at the monster <laughs> uh, the pirate monster that's breathing fire and and they're just like when he's nervous he farts and that's what they've been setting up <laughs> in the movie is that when he's nervous scooby-doo will fart scooby goes ahead and and shoots out a th- like 20 second fart to fight fire with fire and so he literally shoots fart gas at this pirate breathing fire <laughs> and so i i mean the zaniness of these bits were insane man th- th- those were the bits that i remembered yeah for sure but it did we did have we did have the stereotypical things that are in a scooby-doo episode which is a red herring which was mm-hmm. seth green we had the bad guy unmasked which was alicia silverstone's character yeah and then the bad guy got caught and that was the jacova guy yeah. Did he drop the line too about the meddling kids? Oh, he did like a something like the meddling kids line, but it was a little, I think it was like you meddling punks or something. Mm. And your little dog too. Yeah. Something like that. And the movie ends on a happy note where we have everybody, all the, the heroes win. And then Ruben Stutter shows up and they close it with a dance sequence. How you feel about the part where like, you got Sarah Michelle Geller and you got Linda Cardellini and like they are both by Ruben and they give them that smooch. It was the least believable acting in the entire movie. Like they, you can see it on their faces that they're not really feeling giving that, given Ruben that kiss. Yeah. And this is like peak Ruben. Yeah. And you can totally just see that they're like, I guess this is the next thing we have to do for money. Like <laughs> Ruben's one track that I know, which is sorry was dropped in 2004. Like I think 2004, like might be in the song title and in the lyrics, he's like, I'm sorry if this is my sorry for 2004. Like, yeah, this was peak Ruben. Should I be listening to Ruben? I, I don't know any other tracks from him. It kind of, it kind of bummed me out too. Cause I pulled him up on IMDb. Cause I was like, Ruben, were you in anything else? And you know how I am the he that has quotes from people. Yeah. And his quote was like, I want to be around for a while. I don't want this to be a one hit wonder. And I was like, well, yeah, sorry, Ruben. I don't, I don't know if that worked out, man. What season was he from? Okay. I want to say, I'm not an American Idol guy. I want to say that Kelly Clarkson won the first season, right? Like she was the original American Idol. My guess is that he was season two then. Okay. I want to guess that season two, like, him and Clay Aiken were the top two. I don't know who won and who was the runner up though. That's my guess. I'm not an American Idol guy at all. So Carrie Underwood won it, right? She, she's probably her and Kelly Clarkson are probably the most successful American idols off the small American Idol knowledge that I have. Well, we digress. If if we wanted to talk about how the, how the movie was received, it has a 22% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. The audience thought 38%. So it's a little bit, a little bit better. Yeah. 
I think like the fact that this is like a movie that was made for kids and actually now it's, this is saying that the box office was actually 84 million. That's what they took in. The other, the other thing that I saw said 120 or whatever, or 180 ratings for this are monstrously silly. It plays better at home than for the premium price of the movie theater. That seems reasonable. Those paying attention will note that Linda Cardellini comes close to stealing the whole movie out from under her co-stars, which I would totally agree with. Yeah, I mean, if Linda Cardellini is in anything, even like her in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is like Hawkeye's wife, like she seals the show for me. I think this is my favorite review from a regular human being. It's too scary. Far, far too scary by far. I was scared. <laughs> I mean, I know like like some kids are on like social media and YouTube and stuff. So maybe like some kid watched this and was just wigging. But man, I didn't think it was that spooky. It's a hundred times worse than its predecessor with the poorest jokes to ever appear in a theatrically released movie. I've seen worse bits in theatrically released movies. All right. So that's good. Even though it's better than the original, which I would agree with, but I haven't seen it in a long time, it's still a a flaming pile of crap. What is this trying to accomplish? I don't know. There are at least 40 40 better ways to do this movie. The best idea being not make it at all. (laughs) Thanks, Jake. Man, Jake just channeling his inner CM Punk dropping that pipe bomb on him. Oh, yeah. Man, it is interesting, too, because if we look back on the 2002 Scooby-Doo, Rotten, like the critics on Rotten Tomatoes gave that one a 30%. So I guess that's like a little bit better than 22%, but the audience had it the exact same, like 38%. Okay. Um, and I thought it was really interesting because on IMDb, both films have a clean five, like a clean 5.0. I feel like I don't see that many clean numbers like that on IMDb. And I don't know how often I look at like movies in a franchise and they have the exact same rating. So, so if you had to rate this for our rating roundup, what would you give it? And we're doing like an A through F, right? Like we're like, absolutely. Yeah. I'll give it, man. It's somewhere in the C range for me, which is probably generous. I'll admit I'm going to give it, I'm going to get, I'm going to give it a clean C and I give it that to say, like I mentioned earlier in the cast, it's not like you want a really riveting film. It's not like you want like Goodwill Hunting and you're going to cry. It's not like you want Lady Bird. I cried in the theater for Lady Bird. But if you just want to like zone out, have some laugh at some ridiculous bits with like one of your best friends, I think it's a good fit for that. So I'll give it a C. Like it's serviceable. Like it has a role for me in like, there's a time in my life that it fit. If that makes sense. Oh, it does. Yeah. I think if I had to rate it, I'd give it a Scooby D. I think that for what it is, it's it, the, the writing was, and then this could just be execution. Cause maybe on paper, these bits were better, but it feels like everything was to get you to the next joke, the next bit and to get you there. Yeah. It wasn't like, I didn't care about these characters. One of them could have died. And that would have been like the only thing that would have made me go like, Oh crap. The yeah. game changed. Cause I was like, they're going to, going to figure it out at the end. Right. Um, so I think having such a generic plot 
and having such um, like just kind of stereotypical characters and stuff like that. I really thought it was going to be good because of the monsters unleashed portion of it. Yeah. But it is what it is, man. A C and a D it's not enough. No, I think, I think there are worse movies in this movie. Definitely. I would not the scribbler. Yeah, exactly. The worst movie of all time, the scribbler. Yeah. But so anyways, I just want to say thanks for listening. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, whoever is out there listening, we hope that you're having a great day or, or morning or evening whenever you're listening to this. And, uh, yeah, we, we hope that you can watch more movies and enjoy them and stuff and eat popcorn. And if you are looking for more podcasts, go over to gamezillamedia.com and check it out. Yeah. And they also have a discord channel and I'm there. Bob's there. If you want to come through, talk to us about movies, you can do that. Really any nerdy interest that you have, there's people in the discord that are going to have that interest too. So there's a really supportive community there and we're on Instagram as well. So if you want to see like cool shots or movies, hear about what we have coming up next movie blast podcast. That's us on Instagram. We would love a follow a like anything you want to throw us. We'd love to interact with you on there too. Bob and Bax.